song, One Rock at a Time. That's how we learn, isn't it? That's how we grow, unfortunately. Well, for some reason my hands are sweaty. Must be coming down with something. <laughs> now, I appreciate the uh, pastor giving me this opportunity. We certainly pray for, for him and the service that he's in. And I pray that you've come this morning with an expectation to get something because we'll, we'll get exactly what we came for. If you don't mind, go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I've been in reading this book and studying this book. Probably been two or three months ago, Travis Osborne, I was sitting in on his Sunday school class. and He was all in it, and I was kind of sharing some stuff with him. And I mean, just different thoughts and things changed so many different times and about unity and, and oneness. And, you know, a lot of people, you, you've heard people get up here to preach or teach, and they say, well, you know, the Lord, the Lord changed it, and that's, that's kind of rough. Well, I was praying He would change it. Because this, too, is a hard saying. I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, the pastor in a couple of those classes that we took, he always said, do not apologize for the sermon you're about to give. Well, I'm going to throw that out the window right now. <laughs> Full apology disclosed. Uh, no, we'll, we're going to get something. If you want something, we're going to get something. Because it started with me, and it's hard to admit. Here's the, here's the title of the message. How pride affects our spiritual condition. How pride... Notice it doesn't say, do we have pride? Uh, do we have pride at some point? Do we think there's certain steps of pride? Because I'm going to tell you, we all have some. And uh, again... Starts with me. I've been trying to get out. I've been trying to wiggle off a hook on this thing for a month, and it hadn't happened. So, how pride affects our spiritual conditions. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be in verses 1 through 16. We're not going to read all that. Matter of fact, we will just, uh, I'll have you stand. We'll read verses 1 and 2, and then we'll get right into it. So, if you don't mind for standing to read the Word of God here, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you today, God, just uh, thank you and praise you for who you are, just thank you for the ability and the health to, to even be able to come out and, and learn more about you and hopefully take what we know to be true about you and apply it tomorrow through Saturday and come back and repeat the whole process. I just pray that I wouldn't say anything you wouldn't have me to say, but Lord, I, I pray I'd say every single thing you do want me to say. And I just pray that uh, we would take it, absorb it, and apply it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Ephesians 4. We all have some. How does pride affect our spiritual condition? Well, the first thing we need, probably need to do is, is define what is pride. Because I'm going to tell you, it comes in many, many different uh, forms. And we can't go through all those or we'd be here till 2 o'clock. Uh, and by the way, I'll try to get you out of here just as soon as I'm finished. How's that? <laughs> Uh, pastor will use that one next week. Definition of pride. I got this out of the King James Dictionary. 
Let me read this definition to you because I, I think it's so good. Pride is an inordinate, inordinate self-esteem, unreasonable conceit of one's own superiority in talents, beauty, wealth, accomplishments, rank, or elevation in office. And here's how it comes out. Here's how it manifests itself. In lofty airs, distance, reserve, and often in contempt of others, elevation or loftiness. Hey, it's in many different forms. The scary thing about pride is some you can see and some you what? You can't see it. Hey, and it doesn't have to be taught. I have an example here. Uh, as this fellow told me one time, he said uh, his son, I can't remember if it's a basketball game or a baseball game because we can all relate to this is what I'm saying. He played really, really well. And he was, I guess he'd came home, maybe he was telling a family member or a friend or, or an acquaintance. He was telling him how, this kid was telling these folks how good he played in the game. And, and so after it's all over, the, the dad, the father, he came over like we should. It's a good teachable moment. And he said, you know, you shouldn't be telling, you know, let another man praise thee, not your own lips. And, and here was his response. And this is what many of our responses are. Well, how will he ever know if I don't tell him? <laughs> so that's how we approach things. So, so, so it doesn't have to be taught. I mean, we, we, we get that naturally. Someone said this. This is a quote. And this is, this is so good. Pride is the dandelion of the, soul, of the soul. Its root goes deep. Only a little left behind sprouts again. Its seeds lodge in the tiniest encouraging cracks, and it flourishes in good soil. The danger of pride is that it feeds on goodness. Think about that. The more positive feedback we get, sometimes the more prideful we become. And listen, again, I'm not preaching at you, okay? I'm preaching to myself, so we can, we can share through this whole message. So what does God think about pride? Well, we know, but I'll read. You don't have to turn there, but I'll paraphrase some of the verses in Proverbs. Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride cometh, then cometh shame. Proverbs 13 and verse 10. We've heard this one several times. Only by pride comes what? Contention. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 18. Pride goeth before destruction in a haughty spirit before a fall. And the one we probably quote and, and, and maybe misquote, but we use more than anything, is James 4, 6. God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. So before we get into this text, because this is not just a topical message on pride. I mean, it's all through this Scripture. And trust me, I tried to figure out how to get away from that. But the bottom line is, Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, it's throughout the whole uh, throughout that whole chapter. So what's a little background? Ephesus is uh, written, Paul writing under the inspiration of God, written to Ephesians, to the faithful in Christ. Who's that? That's the Christians. So it definitely applies to us. Chapters 1 through 3 in Ephesians is all about doctrine and things we need to know. Uh, Ephesians chapters 4 through 6 is about things we need to do or our duty, so to speak. So we could break it down like this. Hey, chapters 1 through 3 is about our position in Christ. Chapters 4 through 6 is about our 
practice. So here he's beginning in, in chapter 4 to say, hey, here's how you put into practice all those things that you've been taught and that you know, such as salvation and being sealing and, uh, sealed by the Spirit and reconciliation and all those good doctrinal things that, that we need to know. So, pride affects our spiritual condition. Now, this is like any other sin. Any sin we have affects our condition. And you've heard it taught and preached, and, and, and this is so true. I mean, the root sin is unbelief. You know, everything goes, uh, uh, sprouts out from unbelief. But I'm going to tell you, if you really look hard, pride is a, is a part of every sin that we commit. Every single sin we commit, there's a, there, there, there is a dimension of pride in there. And how many of you would agree that uh, there's a pretty good church in Ephesus? Have we been taught that before? So how, we're going to see here in the text that if they need to be taught meekness and lowliness and humility, well, how much more should we be able to be taught the same thing? So what I'm, what I'm saying is, this is, not a, this is not a downer. This is, hey, do, do we want to take truth, be confronted by truth, and apply it, change what we need to change, and grow in grace and knowledge? That's the challenge this morning. So what are the effects of pride? Here's what we're going to go over today. Pride affects our walk, our oneness, our work, and our witness. Okay, It'll affect us in all those areas. Look at verses 1 and 2. I therefore, so I therefore, based on everything that Christ has done for us in the first three chapters, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you, I implore you, I beg you, hey, listen up, that ye walk worthy. Now, so the first thing it does, it affects our walk. What does is, what is the idea of a walk mean? I mean, we, we hit this in Sunday school this morning. I didn't plan that. That's the Holy Spirit working that out. The idea of a walk means an obedience in one direction, to pursue a particular course in life. Um, so what we should be doing is, is based on how long we've been saved, okay, and how much biblical teaching we've been under. We should be walking. We should be growing. We should be uh, our practice should be closer to our position all the time. That's, that's a walk in a constant direction. So what he's saying here is, look, I beseech you that you walk worthy. What's worthy mean? Well, let's say that I go to work for Freddie. And he pays me a lot. No. Let's say he pays me $10 an hour, and I work 40 hours that week. So at the end of the week, guess what I'm going to expect? $400. Is that right? I mean, I did go to Carroll County. So, so 400 bucks. So what, so what that is, that's the idea of worthy. That's a fair wage for the work. Hey, he agreed to pay me $10 an hour. I went to work for 40 hours at $10 an hour. The fair wage is $400. So he's, what he's saying here is, look, I want you to walk worthy. I want your, as close as we can, I want your practice to match what Christ has done for you. Is it ever going to match? No. Being confident in this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. So we're, ne we're, ne we're never going to arrive, but we should be walking in a worthy manner. Does it balance out? Does, does our walk, our obedience in one direction, does it reflect whose you are? That's what, that's what the Scripture's saying here. 
Does it measure up? Is there a balance? Is it, is, is it appropriate? I want your practice to match your position. But here's the thing. Worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. Hey, we, we've all got a calling. Okay, We've all been invited to a certain position, and we'll get into that a little later. But there's no coincidences that you are where you are right now. Okay, There, there are no coincidences. So we've we got to figure out how we're supposed to walk worthy exactly where we are. Verse 2. So how do we do that? This is where pride comes in. He said, look, I want you to walk worthy with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Now, if he wanted to summarize, and I say this respectfully and reverently, if he wanted to summarize verse 2, he could say, look, I want you to have a worthy walk, drop the pride. End of verse 2, period. Because that's a summary term for everything he's going to discuss right here, and as we define it, you'll see why. What does lowliness mean? It's humility. Giving up my opinion. Thinking more of others. So what does that look like? Well, that looks like that when I have an opinion about something and I know that my idea is better than yours, I'm going to, give up, I'm going to save that. I'm going to give up my opinion for the sake of not creating an issue. That's humility. That's lowliness. What about meekness? Here's what that is. That's gentleness. That's when we take, we clothe our strength with consideration for others. How many of you got some strengths? I mean, we do. We got some strengths. That's not prideful. I mean, you, you should know what your strengths are. And, and if, you, if you don't know, ask somebody. They'll tell you. So anyway, we got some strengths. But here's what happens. When all we do is strength, 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 our strength becomes a what? A weakness. Because we got to clothe our strength. For example... If somebody calls the office, Christy, and, and, and this is a real life example, by the way, because my wife tells me this all the time. If somebody calls the office and they have a question about soil or something that I can answer in 22 seconds, but they want to ask all these questions, it'll be a 30-minute conversation. See, if I'm meek that day, if I'm spirit-filled, I'm going to let them go through that whole scenario to tell them what I could tell them in 20 seconds. But if I'm not... If I'm not, now I'm going to cut them off right then. I'm going to tell them exactly what I need to do. Have a nice day. Come back tomorrow. See, that, that's, that's the difference. So we clothe our strength because I'm, I'm, I'm well-versed in that. They don't understand that. I know all about that situation. And so when we clothe our strength, that's meekness. That's gentleness. Okay, how about long-suffering? By the way, he's saying, here's, here's how you have a worthy walk. So obviously, our pride and these things we're defining affects our walk. Long-suffering. This is patience. Grace to others as God gives us. Hey, here's what that means. If somebody's been saved for six months, you've been saved for 36 years, we need to show some patience with those folks that haven't learned and grown as fast as you have or I have. We want to be real quick, short, with them when God has given us plenty of grace. Hasn't he? We just sung about it. Grace, grace, God's grace, greater than all our sin. That's long-suffering. I'm glad God's long-suffering with me. How about you? I love, you know, we go to those prayer advances. You know, the, and we always go through the, uh, I guess, the attributes of God and, 
And, you know, what are you thankful for? My answer is always long-suffering. Long-suffering, so I guess they know what my walk's like. But anyway, patience, grace to others as God gives us. Because you know what we want to do in our prideful self? Here's what we say. We want to fix them. And we want to fix them quick. Because we have the answers. And we do. We have all the answers. But we've got to clothe that, our strength, with consideration for others. It doesn't mean we can't give some truth. But what it does mean is that it's just as prideful for us to go think we can fix them because we can't fix anybody. Galatians 6.1 says, If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, go and restore such a one. Those people that are spiritual, guess what? You can't be spiritual and prideful at the same time. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Forbearing. That means to bear burdens. To tolerate. Literally, here's what it means though. To put up with. That's what it means. How many of you put up with some people? Y'all put up with me? Amen, I got an amen right there. That's right. So look, with all lowliness, how are you going to have a worthy walk? You've got to drop the pride. Verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another. And the only way we can do this is in what? In love. That's how the verse ends. And like I was telling the young adults this morning, you know, I can't love in my own power. There's some things I just can't love. But if I yield to the Spirit, I, I can, Christ can love in me and through me whatever situation I can't handle. So we clothe all that with in love. So here's the bottom line. There's no worthy walk when pride is present because pride will affect our walk. Look at secondly here. Pride affects our oneness. We're going to find this in verses 3 through 11. Let's look at verse 3. Endeavoring... That word endeavoring means diligent. That means it's going to take some work. How many times has the pastor said work in the last month? I mean, there, there should be, there, there, there's something going on here underlying. It's going to take some work. Diligently, we have to be conscious of what we're doing, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Verse 4 there's one body, one Spirit. Even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Now, if we break that down, we can get pretty excited about that. I mean, there can be some amen and going on when we understand exactly what this means because doctrinally, I'm telling you, we are on the money. There ain't no doubt about that. And if you read these verses, we're all going to agree on all these things right here in verses 3 through 6. Endeavoring to keep the unity. I want you to uh, take notice of that, though. That means we've got to put some work in to keep the unity. Do you know we don't create the unity? It says keep it. Hey, there's already unity there. How? Of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The Spirit's already created unity. All we're supposed to do is keep it. So we've got to work diligently to keep the unity for the sake of our oneness in our unity. But if we let pride creep in, as we're going to see here in probably verse 7, pride will affect our oneness. Let's read through that again. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Because there's one body, 
Hey, there ain't but one body of Christ. That's it. And there's one Spirit. There's only one Holy Spirit. And the day you got saved, you accepted Christ to save you, you put your faith and trust in the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit indwelt you, sealed you to the day of redemption. There's only one Spirit. We, we, we can't even... There, there, there's nothing we can even debate about that. There's one Spirit. Even as you're called in one hope of your calling. Hey, there's one hope. We only have one hope. That's confident expectation of how the thing ends. We know how it ends. Hey, we have the victory. We sing that victory in Jesus because we have one hope. There is one body, one spirit, one hope, and there's one Lord. Hey, there's only one Lord. His name's Jesus Christ. He's the Lord and Master of our life. There's only one faith. There's only one way you get saved. There's only one way. It's by grace or you're saved through faith. You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, in the person of Jesus Christ, in Him alone, His death, burial, and resurrection as your payment for sin to become saved. There's, a, there's only one faith. And there's only one baptism. That's the Holy Spirit baptism. Again, the day we, we accept Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us. And there's one God and Father of all, who's above all and through all and in you all. That's a summary for, hey, God is in control. We can all agree on that. That's, all, that's unity. That's oneness. I would say if we took a survey, everybody in here would agree on every one of those things that we just said there was one of. You say, well, how does the, how does the pride creep in and, and break the unity or break the oneness? Look at verse 7. What's that first word? But. Hey, he's saying, hey, we're all on the same page about all these seven things, one hope, one baptism, one faith. We, we're all about that. Amen. Preach it. But guess what? But every one of us, Every one of who? Everyone that's accepted Christ as Savior. If you've been here and you've accepted Christ as Savior, it's, it's for you. But every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might feel all things. Verse 11, And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. So what is he saying there? He's saying, look, we can be unified about all these ones, the power of one, but every one of us, has a different gift, and by the way, every one of us has a different measure of that gift. That means that we are definitely diverse. We're one body with many diverse members. You follow me? So, as you can see, that's how pride can creep in. Because here's what happens. Let's just be honest. Sometimes, I think I'm gifted in an area and I'm trying to do somebody else's job that they've been gifted in, and then when I try to do that, and I think my way is better than their way, that's pride. That's pride. That's, that, that's how it affects the body, the oneness, the unity. That's how pride, uh, pride creeps in. There in verses 8 through, eight through 10, hey, basically what that... Jesus has conquered death, hell, and the grave. And He's given us each and every one, right? So what it says in verse 7, every one of us is given 
grace according to the measure or gift. To the victors go the spoils. And so we just got to understand that we are diverse. And if we go back to our definitions of the lowliness and meekness and, and gentleness and in love, when we're diverse in areas, you can see how that if I'm trying to do your job and you're trying to do my job, now we got a jumbled up mess and the body is not unified. Okay? And so when the body's not unified, what's the first thing? That, is that going to affect our work? Absolutely. It's going to affect your work. It's, going to, it's a trickle-down effect. It's going to affect everything on down the line. So pride affects our oneness. And then thirdly, look at this. Pride affects our work. Look at verse 12. Verse 12. By the way, verse 11, that's not a complete list of what everybody's spiritual gift is. You know, the pastor studied that through 1 Corinthians, I think, in 1 Corinthians 12. Because in verse 11, he said he gave some apostles and some prophets. Of course, those were temporary. They're not today. And, and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. Look at verse 12. For the perfecting of the who? Of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the perfecting of the saints. So in verse 11 there, he says, he gave some evangelists and some teachers and some pastors. So what he's saying is, those people that I just named right there, that I gave that gift that you don't have, their, their, their job is to equip the saints, who it's written to, the Christians, who's the saints? That's us. For the what of the ministry? The work. So who does the work? Who does the work of the ministry based on what the Bible says, not what I say? The saints. For the saints. For the perfecting of the saints. That's to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So, I don't know about you, but I think we have a really, really good pastor here that equips us, the saints, for the work of the ministry. And see, all ministry is is service to others. How can you serve others if we're prideful? I'm talking to myself. I'm telling you. You know, it, it's hard to admit that sometimes I think my time's worth a whole lot more than somebody else's. Hey, the work of the ministry stops when pride is involved. What I'm telling you is we don't have an excuse. We are taught week after week. We are equipped to do the work of the ministry. We don't need the problem is, is here's what we think. We don't need to be equipped. Because here's, here's the truth. God's word is confrontational. And we can handle it one of two ways. We can say, All right, Lord, what are you trying to teach me through your word? Because it's not his word, it's your word. What are you trying to teach me? Search your own self. How can I be better? Christian, how can I do more service? How can I minister to others better based on this truth that I really don't like right now? I'm going to search within myself. You know, I tell these kids, I want you to be coachable. you got to be coachable. If you're not coachable, you're not going anywhere. Same way with spiritual maturity. If we're not teachable, we're not going very far. We're just not going very far. So when a 
when a truth from God's Word confronts you, because God's Word is confrontational. Aren't you glad that one day God's Word confronted you and you realized that there's none righteous, no, not one, and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? And, 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 and at that moment in time, there was no pride in you whatsoever. And, and, and that was the point you knew that if you died in the state you were in, you were going to hell in the absence of God to be ever, forever separated. And at that point, there was no pride in your life. You said, I, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And at that point, there was no pride in your soul whatsoever. And we accepted the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ as payment for our sin once and for all. There was no pride at that point. We were very teachable at that point. But sometimes knowledge puffs up, right? So it's confrontational. Or the other option is, and we, we can grow from that, or the other option is we can bristle up. I mean, I've done this. Because we're, we're alright as, as, as long as that truth is okay with the way we're living. But man, when that truth hits me, I start scooting around the sea a little bit. and We can either bristle up and take our ball and go home. Or we can say, hey God, what are you trying to teach me here? What are you, what are you confronting me with? Because He might confront all of us with something different. Because here's the deal. There's no work of the ministry when pride is present. We can do it for a while in our own power. We, it, it can look good for a while, but, but at the end of the day, honestly, when we're doing it in our own power, it'll show up. It'll show up somewhere, because at some point you're going to hit one of my buttons. And so it seems like when I get older, I get more buttons. <laughs> I got multiple buttons. But, but it'll show up. But if I'm yielded to the Spirit, okay, and I've put on the Lord Jesus Christ like we studied about this morning in, in Romans 13. You know, you're not going to bother me all that much because I'm clothed in humility. And, there's, there's no, and only by pride comes contention. So we see that pride affects our walk. It affects our oneness. It affects our work. And we're going to see here in verses 12 through 16, it affects our witness. Look at verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for thee. And we do all this for the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ. Verse 13, Till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. That's not perfect like we think perfect. That's perfect as in grow up and, and, and mature in Christ. Perfect man unto the measure of of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man, in cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But, speaking the truth in love, may grow up, we need to circle that right there, may grow up into Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, verse 16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Hey, you saw edifying in there a couple of times. That's to build up. Build up the body of Christ. We are all to do our part to grow the body. 
Because when the body grows, it honors the head. And who's the head? Jesus Christ. See, we're supposed to be here to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, love our neighbor as ourselves. That's pretty much it. So, if, if, if we're edifying the body, if we're building up the body of Christ through numerically, spiritually, then we're honoring Christ. Because Christ died for the church and gave Himself for it. So, as we edify, I mean, that's what He's saying here. And we can't edify if pride is present. How about maturity? It affects our witness through maturity. Look at verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, to a complete, to a mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Here's what I'm telling you. We can't just go to church. We can't just go to church. The purpose of church is for us to come in here, the pastor to equip us for the work of the ministry that we go out and do the other six days of the week. And that's how it's set up. We can't just come to church because what, what, what's basically the theme been for the last month or so? Know, knowing, growing, and showing. So how does pride affect my witness? Because here's what, here's what pride does when I'm really not willing to be teachable, and I don't drop the pride and, and, and understand the truths of God's Word and, and see what part He wants me to change in my life, then there's, then there's obviously no, no unity. I can't edify the body. I can't become mature until I take those truths and apply them throughout the week because that's the definition of growing. So you don't start ministering until you're giving it to others. When we build it up all ourselves, and we know all this stuff, and, 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 it's, and it's all about what we know and what we understand, do you know that doesn't do anybody else any good? It's until we spill over to, to these other folks, to somebody else, that's when we're truly doing the work of the ministry. So again, I never did get around to how it does it affect our witness. It's because people were watching, Right? They say, well, you go to church on Sunday and, and Wednesday, and, and they don't really see, or we, we, we really don't, in certain situations in the workplace, school, athletic field, I don't care where you're at, there comes a time to where you're with somebody that knows you go to church all the time, and there's, gonna, there's this one thing, this one situation that's going to come up that you can share what you've known, how you're growing, and it's time for you to show. And so, this is where I struggle, I ain't going to lie. Because the fear of man bringeth what? Bringeth a snare. You know why we're scared? You know why we're fearful? Because we're prideful. Because we care more about what they think of me than I do about their spiritual condition. That's the truth. I mean, that's the truth. It is for me. It may not be for you. And so this, this, this whole chapter has been speaking to me about, hey, drop the pride. Because when you drop the pride, it'll affect your walk. It'll affect how you work. It'll affect how you walk. It'll affect your witness to other people around you. 
Because there's no witness when pride is present. And here's the thing. The effects of pride always begin with us personally. Think about how we started this. We started back in verse 1 and 2. You notice Paul didn't say, hey, get all unified and go do the work of the ministry. And He said, what do you got to do first? I want you to walk worthy of what Christ did for you. See, if we would stay focused on about what Christ did for us, and we start personally and with step one, because it's all about us to begin with. It's all about how's your walk. Because if my walk's not right, my work's not going to be right. My witness is not going to be right. And my unity and my oneness with others is not going to be right. You know, I always tell, I don't know who, where I heard this. or I mean, you've heard it said before, but listen, the most important thing about us is our personal relationship, our vertical relationship with Christ. Just me and Him. And after that, we got our horizontal relationships. That affects everything else. That's what it's saying here in, in, in chapter 4. Hey, you get your worthy walk right, you get your vertical relationship right, and it'll affect everything around you. But on the flip side, on a positive note, now everybody can smile. Here, here, here's the positive thing that we can take from this. And maybe you don't suffer with pride. That's, that's great. Amen. I mean, I, that's great. If we walk with lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. What does that do? We remain unified. We will serve others. Ministry will be happening. We will edify the body by our witness and by our actions and by, by how we know and we grow and we show. But as I, as I studied through that, I thought, man, you know, I was wanting to talk about just unified and how we're, how we're all one. And, but the bottom line is, none of that other stuff matters until we drop the pride in verse 2. So how is, is, is pride affecting you spiritually at all? I mean, how does, how does it affect you or does it, does it affect you at all? Or is pride keeping you from becoming a mature Christian? Because I'm going to tell you... It, it takes work, and it's, it's sometimes the, the, the lessons are painful. And I, I definitely don't know half of what I need to know. And I'm not anywhere near who I should be. But I do know enough to know that just like Larry sung those songs, those rocks, those stones, I mean, that's how you learn. And whatever's in us, when we get bumped, that's what's going to come out. Or, or, or maybe this, is pride keeping you from becoming a Christian? Because remember what I said, there was a date and a time at some point, if, you, if you've accepted Christ as Savior and you're on your way to heaven, there was a time when the pride left you. When you realize that there's none righteous, no, not one. And you realize that Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we realize that we were lost and we needed a Savior. Because you know, you gotta get you gotta realize you're lost before you can get saved. And see, the part of pride that keeps you from becoming a Christian is thinking you're not lost. And that's that's hard. That's a hard truth. But it's one we've all went through. 
And if you haven't done that this morning, I pray that you'd get that right. Because John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. There's a remedy. There's a remedy for our pride. There is a remedy for whatever sin you're involved with today. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, who your parents are, how long you've been in church, or whatever. The idea is this. Drop the pride. Lay it all at the, at the cross, at Jesus' feet. Put your faith and trust in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in thine heart that God raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So the first part of that is understanding that we're lost. How about you this morning? As we, uh, as a piano player comes, we're going to play a song as she plays. I'm just going to invite you to the altar. I mean, I know this is not, this is not one of them hoorahs. I tried my best to get out of it. It just didn't happen. This is not one of them hoorah messages. But I'm going to tell you, if we're going to, be, if we're going to mature, if we're going to grow, if we're going to have a worthy walk, if we're going to keep, maintain the unity that's already given to us, if we're going to have a good witness, it's going to be in the absence of pride. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for this day. Thank You for Your many blessings, Lord. Lord, this is not exactly how I had planned it, but it's not my plan, it's Yours. I just pray, Lord, that if, if somebody is if you're dealing with somebody this morning, they would just respond and lay down the pride and, and deal with whatever the issue is, Lord. Just thank you for your word. Thank you for the confrontation and the piercing of your word, Lord. And I just pray if there's one here that don't know you as Lord and Savior, today will be the day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As she plays. Hymn number 591, please stand. 591, have thine own way, Lord.
Thank you for your good attention this morning. I know that wasn't exactly probably what you came to hear, but that's what God gave us. <clears throat> uh, continue to pray for the pastor as he's in the meetings there uh, in Waynesboro. And I am going to ask J.D. Spence if he'll dismiss us in prayer.